You know, having sensitive skin makes finding skincare products so difficult. It is. But today's sponsor, OneSkin, makes it easy. Their topical supplements are formulated with soothing ingredients and natural antioxidants. And they're gentle enough to use every day, even if you have sensitive skin. And it was founded by an all-female team of scientists. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without all the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by third-party research organization OS01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers, and diminish visible signs of aging. Like wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer get started today with 15 percent off using code tco at oneskin.co that's 15 percent off oneskin.co with code tco after your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please support the show and tell them we sent you and so you are a wine taster? I am. Because I can't Somalia. say that word. Yeah, I'm a sommelier. I have no... Sommelier. Okay. <laughs> it's similar. Yeah. Sommelier. Yeah. So I've been doing yeah. that for a while. How do you even get involved in that? There's a lot of drinking, Crystal. <laughs> no. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. Cruising into the power zone. Clipping, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. Know what you need to know. What's it all about? Everything you need. It's on the clip out. Welcome to the clip out, episode 125. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. Ooh, ooh, indeed. It was a busy day today. It was a roller coaster, a financial <laughs> roller coaster, <laughs> like a baby roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> Not like one that like flips you upside down. No, really, no, but no. Just- you know, one of the ones like, uh, like if you, it's like Slinky Dog, right? right? Like it's not like what? Rock and Roller Coaster. It's yeah. like Slinky Dog. Yeah. Just be glad it's not like a Tower of Terror. It's <laughs> <laughs> like plunging, up plunging, up plunging. <laughs> like that's, yeah. Yeah, that would be too much. Right. Too much. So I guess we should talk about what we're talking about. Yes, I guess uh, we'll just jump right in. What do you have in store for people? Well, we're going to talk about the IPO because that happened today. Right. So that seems topical. Uh, All kinds of little details around that that we are going to discuss. We are going to pick our newest square for the clip out challenge, i.e. Clippo. Someone, statistically speaking, or multiple someones, should be getting closed. Also, statistically speaking, someone... Should be really pissed <laughs> Well like, we've got a couple yeah, of those Yeah there's somebody out there that still is like Nothing? Yeah they've got nothing? Ze- I've seen the post There are at least three people have zero for four We need to come up with some sort of prize, prize For, for those... the people who got nothing Yes I agree Within reason Within reason Maybe it could be like uh, We have new prizes Like the winner gets interviewed on the clip out And the loser gets interviewed on real spoilers <laughs> <laughs> Too funny uh, We are also going to talk about A birthday in the United Kingdom 
And we have another celebrity talking about Peloton. We have a big news about a run coming up that we need to discuss. It's very important. A new live event that Peloton had, another music collaboration coming, a challenge coming up. Uh, and some other information for the instructors. Awesome. Well, I guess before we get to all that, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on the Facebook. That works, by the way, thefacebook.com. It does? It does. Huh, so there, So does fb.com. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, you can find us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash the clip out. While you're there, uh, you can join the group, like the page, and join the group. So you just, because we know you just can't get enough of us. And uh, you can leave a review. Also, uh, don't forget, we have a newsletter now. So you can go to theclipout.com. You can sign up for our newsletter to just get little gentle reminders about new episodes or if maybe there's like really important breaking news or just other things that we're doing. And while you're at the website, you can also, if you feel so inclined, Inclined, click the donate button yeah. we, ain't, we ain't gonna stop you no so uh so there i think that's everything right did, I did you tell him to subscribe well i told him to go to apple Podcasts. Well, subscribe okay. there okay cool okay you feel All better right. about All that right. now yeah, definitely okay. definitely so uh let's dig in shall we yes it's time for news of the paladin I-P-O-N-O oh, no. <laughs> Is that going to be the title this I don't week? know it's, it's a little catty it did, like, It's not horrible it, did, it, no. it came out It went down a little bit Yeah Okay so So let's catch everybody up uh, They announced Earlier in the week That the IPO Was going to go live And they announced That it was going to be Valued at 8.1 billion And they were going to Have 40 million shares Available to trade And that it was going to Start trading at $29 an, uh, A share For the IPO uh, And so That was all established And then this morning came And I woke up And immediately started Getting inundated With all of the Did you here did you hear did you hear <laughs> which i love i love that everybody keeps me updated and asks me questions i love i love all the back and forth that everybody does that's not a complaint just so everybody knows and then i was told that john foley was going to be on squawk box at 8 a.m eastern so that was 7 a.m central so i had to be late to work because that was i mean i had to watch john foley talk sure. about the ipo <laughs> It's kind of important. Um, <laughs> so I had to do that. And uh, it was only a few minutes. Don't worry, guys. It wasn't like super late. And um, so we're going to talk more about that in a minute. And then 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 the entire crew was present at opening bell down in the middle of Times Square at NASDAQ. It was NASDAQ's first outdoor opening oh. that they had on their balcony ever. Well, that's weird. It was very cool. Hey, here's indoor equipment. Let's have our first outdoor opening. <laughs> well, it was a very perfect day for it, it looked like. Uh, and then we, we, you know, so we kind of went through all that. So where do you want to start with all this? Um, I guess let's uh, let's start with how the opening bell went. Okay. So it uh, first of all, it took like two and a half hours or three hours to start trading. Uh, so people were already kind of starting to freak out. Um, so... That the first things I heard about that was that, you know, that might mean they rush it to market or it might mean something's wrong. But, but, and I don't know, maybe all those things are true. Maybe, maybe their underwriter is slow. That's what CNBC said. I have no idea. Certainly yeah. not an expert. But uh, at any rate, it started trading and it started around 26. So, Came out of the gate a lot lower than what they expected. Uh, it was up and down all day. They traded over 44 uh, million shares. It was it was over that amount, and it closed down 11 percent 
It was a little more than 11% at 2574 was the final number for the day. Okay. And that's it. So what does all that mean in the grand scheme of things? So it really depends on who you are. In the right. grand scheme of things, I think it means absolutely nothing because it was day one. Right. I think it means that people... Okay, I think it just reaffirms that... The financial market does not get what is going on with Peloton. I think that they I I think that they're looking strictly at numbers and they're saying there's too high of losses. I think that that is because everybody is super anti tech right now. Right. uh, Which I get. Um, And I should also point out this is little old me saying all of this from a completely non-professional opinion. I know nothing except for my opinion and my observations. That's all this is. But everybody has seen a lot of negative stuff happen in the stock market. We've had Uber. We've had Lyft. I mean, anything tech recently has not gone well. Right. And then you have WeWork that didn't even get off the ground. Um, and so there's a lot of skepticism. People don't even really know where to classify Peloton. Sure. And even this morning when Pelot- when when John Foley was talking about it on Squawk Box, he said he said that there's like six or seven different categories. There, there's six or seven different companies because to to as he puts it, delight our our members. They had to do all these things in house, right. and so they don't fit in a box. Yeah, and I think ultimately what makes Peloton work and makes it effective makes it hard to pitch to Wall Street because Wall Street. Is like Hollywood It wants to see things That it's seen before yes. Because it knows that works So they want to hear It always comes back To pop culture doesn't it It does So they want to hear Oh this movie It's like Die Hard Meets you know Santa Claus Yeah And, and there, <laughs> there There's your movie Oh four words I got it Right And yes. so you know, I and so I think the other thing that they struggle with is obviously every IPO tells you we're changing the marketplace. Yep. Everybody wants to make that claim. Most people are full of it, or it's hyperbole if you want to be polite. And I mean, I I feel like Peloton really is, but that's hard to convey because this crowd is jaded and they've heard it so many times, and so. Like, I mean, I also kind of get and, and why it maybe, you know, settled where it did. I guess my other thought, and I don't even know if this is really how it works, but like if they had priced it at $29, right, and it came out and instantly shot up to 100 mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't that mean that they left a lot of money on the table? It would. It would mean that. But now everyone's like, oh, you overvalued. So your $8 billion you're saying you're worth is way too high. Like, so, so the op, so... That's that in a nutshell is a pro is the whole right. problem with Wall Street, right? Because it's it, it you have to so the, always be proving something. So the only way people would have been happy today is if it had priced their IPO at twenty nine dollars and it had ended the day at twenty nine dollars. No, I mean I think they would have been happy if it ended up at like thirty five or forty, yeah. you know. But it it and it didn't, you know, since it lost ten percent. And there's already articles out there saying like it's the third worst IPO ever. Um, and since the last bubble, so I don't even know. Was that six months, six years? I don't even freaking know. But I think I think that you have to kind of put it in perspective. Peloton has a lot to show Wall Street. Right. Whether whether they're truly should be valued at eight billion dollars, I am not at all. <laughs> not the person to ask. Right. Um, but but what I do think is that time will tell. And and I think Wall Street when they see Peloton's got another year. Of great sales in front of them And my guess is There's another product coming out soon And then that goes crazy And then you know It's just going to be It's going to be what we've as Members have been seeing They're going to see Peloton keep doing these amazing Things I mean really what what has Wall Street seen Wall Street has seen oh 
well, you guys have all these music issues because they don't even understand it. Right. And and nobody understands nobody it. Nobody understands and it. And so so then it's going to be you you're being sued. You're you have losses on your profit and you you're you're telling me you're going to keep growing and I have what to base that on. Yeah. So, I think after the new I think the real test will be after we go through another quarter and yeah. they see another quarter's earnings. They see and, what Christmas looks like because yeah. obviously that's a big. That's a huge sell, selling time for Peloton. You know, off topic a little bit, but when you mentioned the music lawsuit, I just thought it was funny. So we were watching, you and I. Yes. Uh, we're watching the Ken Burns country music documentary. Yes. And they were talking about the beginning of, of radio and country music radio and how ASCAP. At the time was the only music licensing Company yep and when Country music got hot they went to all These radio stations because that's a new Technology we're talking like in the 30s Right and they were like oh you Know what you're making a lot of money so We're doubling all the rates yeah they Just did it overnight yeah and and they Were like wait what and then they're like yeah If you want to play these songs go F yourself pay Us twice as much and then Those country music stations Banded together and said, well, you know what? We're writing so much of this stuff ourselves. We're not going to license it through ASCAP. We're going to create our own company. And that's where BMI came from. Yes. And so it, I just not thought, BMI body mass index. Right. BMI the music the, the music the, licensing yes. thing. And I just and like now it's said almost in one full ASCAP BMI. Like right. It's, it's like I mean they might even be all one company now. I don't even know. But I just thought it was fascinating that it's never not been an issue. Yeah. It, here's a brand new technology radio, and they're and they're playing these songs and making money. And then they the rules they're like, well we don't like those rules and we control the songs, so we're making up new rules. And then they went off and did. This whole other thing And I like Anyway I just found it Fascinating that Like even then Almost a hundred years ago People still didn't know How to do it Yep And that caused lawsuits And fist fights And people did end runs Until things finally calmed down And they've decided On what the How they're going to Handle things Anyway that's completely Off topic but I just I found that fascinating I I mean I I definitely Think it's relevant I think I think people who Say Peloton should have Seen this coming I feel like you just You just that 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 is the proof That no they, they shouldn't have If it was 1930 <laughs> and somebody Said do you want to buy these radio Stations would you be like I don't know they're getting sued by ASCAP right you know and Yeah that's a whole different time but uh, I could go Down that road right. with a bunch of things but um, it, it, It's and as an aside It's a really good documentary And yes. you should also just watch it because it's even fascinating if you, Even if you don't like country music it's Honestly in a lot of ways it's it's Almost like the history of the 20th century yes. told through country music. Yes, it's it's, it's pretty fast. I did not know all the roots of country music, and right. I I am really enjoying the education of it. Yeah. Now we are officially off topic. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so what did uh, Mr. Foley have to say about today's? Trading well I mean he was Disappointed uh, when we started off the Morning uh, on the squawk box thing You know he he was talking about how Did he want today to go and he Clearly said I, I wanted to go up he Felt like they had left value on the table For those of you out there saying it's very Clear Peloton is o- overvalued I'm telling you they do not Believe that now I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong I'm just saying he genuinely sat on TV And does not believe that that they've valued too high He thought it was He thought they left money on the table Right And it was going to go great At the end of the day He said that He acknowledged that his company had priced into An IPO market that was roiled by WeWork's troubles And he said I'm following it like everyone else But trying not to take it too personally Or getting too discouraged After a couple hours of sideways trading Obviously we'd rather have it going the other way 
way, but I don't think it's a reflection on our fundamentals or the excitement of investors who came in. This is a long journey. And I yeah. think that's true. I also don't think he's following it like anyone else. I think he's following it a little more closely. I think that's true. <laughs> I think that's true. I, I, I yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I feel like it was probably on TV all day. I don't know how it couldn't be. I, yeah. I mean, it was on my computer all day. Even if I wasn't always looking at it, it was, you know, there. Right. So I could quickly check on it. Uh, speaking of which... In case you just spend a lot of time out on the clip out website, we added a Peloton ticker. Right. <laughs> and, the, you know, you go to some of these websites and the, with their stock tickers and it just goes on. It's like looking for s- school closings when you were 10. And uh, ours just has Peloton. So super easy. Super easy. It's just, top, <laughs> just one little soul, little lonely company scrolling across the top. Whoever wrote this program, if they ever look at it, has to be like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so if you ever just want to know and you don't want to go to like 900 different websites to try and figure it out, just go to theclipout.com. It's, it's there. Living at the top of the page for you. Yes. Uh, and then I also wanted to mention um, one of... The, okay, so I just have to kind of set the mood for, for the, the Squawk Box conversation this morning because um, John Foley looked nervous. That was the first time I've seen him do an interview where he looked more nervous. Well, he was very excited when we interviewed him. Of we course had to calm he was. He was excited, and, and I think he was nervous. But like this morning, he looked a little bit like yeah. he wanted to puke. Like there was a little gray in him. I think today was a very big day for the company. Yeah, I mean, short of like personal achievements, it has uh, yes. to be like the biggest day of his life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I thought he did a really, really great job with the interview. Uh, they threw him some softballs, but they also kind of ganged up on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, he did a great job. But I want to tell you guys that one of the things he mentioned was Germany. So they are officially entering the market in November. We've known about that. It's been announced. But he said some things we did not know. He said they are going to have stores open in six different cities or there's going to be six different stores. He did not say what cities they were in, but there's going to be six stores and get this. German classes will be broadcast out of the UK studios. So that's all happening in 60 days. Wow. Yeah. That's going to happen. I'm just thinking, uh, I know the Peloton instructors are very supportive, but I just got to think a German instructor has to always sound like they're yelling at you. I don't know. It's German. You know, I'm going to have to take a class and find out. (laughs) I I mean, I just will. I wonder if they'll have like an American translation at the bottom. I doubt. Why would they? I don't know. We've got got all these classes and now you want them to translate German ones? Go take your own classes. I was just asking. Wow. (laughs) Harsh. Yeah, they should probably like do some stuff for people who can't see and hear before they worry about translating to American (laughs) classes. You're absolutely right. Like, let me just be clear. And people are always asking for like specific things. And I'm like, can we just have some content? You know, so I'm not one of those people. I I was just wondering because I'd like to take a class and I'd like to know what's happening. Yeah, you know, that's all. But I don't just don't think there's I mean, it's a novelty and you'll do it once and you'll be done. Totally. It's like there's no real reason to do it. I don't know. It just seems like it'd be easy to program like that's something that seems like easy that you could like, you know, there's so many things that you can add to like a website there's a widget for that you would think it might be easy but they build all their own coding so it's probably not totally 
the opening bell, y'all, I just have to go that back to that for just a second. Um, that was an amazing ceremony. It was really cool to see. They had it all done up for Peloton. And uh, it w- I'm really glad that I watched the, the live stream of that. And um, yes, I know that I'm a dork. Like, I <laughs> realized that. I was almost in tears when I watched John Foley. And I was almost in tears when I watched the opening bell. But I just love this company so much. I believe in this company. I think that regardless of what happened today in the stock market... What happens? I don't care what happens in the stock market. They're going to continue to grow as a company and they're going to continue to do great things. And the reason I feel so passionate about it is because these are good people. It was so great to see all the founders up there together. And then all the instructors came out. It was great to see because those people took the risk of their lives doing this. And look what they've built. Like, that's an amazing achievement. And, you know, uh, obviously we talk about Peloton a lot. If you go to to the OPP or many of the groups, we all talk about Peloton a lot, but we didn't buy stock. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, people might have bought stock, but like you at the end of the day, you bought a bike or you yeah. bought a tread. Yeah. And that's ultimately what matters is what's your end usage of that product like that's why you're here. And so to get all caught up in the inside baseball aspect of where the stock's trading, did it go up? Did it go down? What does that mean? Like, did you take a ride this morning? Did you like it? Then that's really what you paid for. All this other stuff doesn't really ultimately affect you as long as you can still get a quality product slash service that you signed up for. And you can. All I know is that I love Disney. And when I walk out of Toy Story 4, I'm not like, I wonder how the stock's doing. Yeah, that's you know? that's a really good point. I'm like, Toy Story 4 was great. And that's kind of the end of your thought process. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, it always comes back to pop culture, but that was appropriate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my last one was appropriate. All I, of them were appropriate. We were talking about Germany. I could have made a Mystery Science Theater Hamlet reference, and I didn't, so... <laughs> I deserve some credit for that Credit given, Tom Thank you <laughs> Okay, you know how we should celebrate all this? How's that? By picking a bingo square Let's do it Let's do this Alright, are you ready to spin? I am ready to spin Well, you spin, I make the spinny noise Ready? I am ready Who is it? Core It's not a who, it's a what It's our first what it's our first what? Our first what? So if this square is on your card, that means that you have to do at least 15 minutes of core, a class that is labeled core. You can't just like sit down and do 15 minutes of sit-ups. So Could you eat corn? No. What if they did a whole class of music by corn? It's core. Oh, core. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, that doesn't work. Good luck to you all. I, I hope there are no zero out of fives. I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much nicer than Tom. Yeah, oh, I think everyone's painfully well aware of who the nice one is. The Uck had a birthday. Well, it's the UK. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> yes, the UK celebrated this week. They celebrated one year of Peloton this week. Not exactly sure when they're counting back to. Right. If that means like when they started selling bikes right. in the UK, or was that when Ben and Leanne were hired? Was that, yeah, I don't know. But they when were they just started, like, they're one. They're one. Okay. They're one this week. So they've been in the UK for one year. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the UK. Peloton Uck. <laughs> we have a new celebrity spotting. Not, not, I, I don't know if, 
everyone will know who she is. I don't. So I mean, I know of the show. Yeah, Anna Ortiz. She was her probably her biggest show. She was on Ugly Betty. I believe she played Betty's sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I watched. Every episode of Ugly Betty It does not surprise me Every episode I've never seen an entire episode It was a fun show Yeah it just didn't draw me in It was it's a, It was a, based on a telenovela And it's really popular It like Not just I think it started in Mexico But in a, they, it got picked up And like Recreated In many different companies Or Many different countries It was so popular And so she America Ferreira Played this girl Who was Ugly Betty Who gets a and She's not ugly But she's right. not a, She's not like She's not a model And she gets hired As a receptionist At a model company And she wants to be a writer and so Or a fashion magazine and Has to work her way up And it was Kind of like a silly Soap opera I like my girl TV I know you do I watch Desperate Housewives I know Teen Mom I've never watched Desperate Housewives either But you got me hooked On the Teen Mom shows I like all those Yeah Love After Lockup Oh you can't get enough of that Oh my god that's a good one That's so terrible <laughs> <laughs> So uh, so Anna Ortiz From yes. Ugly Betty Yes uh, Is a Peloton user Yeah And apparently she was on a podcast And she was talking about how her boobs were getting bigger for some reason And the friend who was also the host said Maybe it's the Peloton <laughs> <laughs> Wow so, well, It's a good thing I'm not using it <laughs> I've really dodged a bullet Sometimes you dodge the bullet Sometimes the bullet dodges you <laughs> uh, Thank you for sending that to me And uh, I just wanted to make sure we got to mention that Absolutely Peloton is going to Broadway I'll tell you what Kind of sort of Kind of, sort of, indeed. I'm considering being late again tomorrow. <laughs> well, you're you're quitting soon. I know. What are they going to do to you? Right. And that's the only reason I'm considering it, by the way, because I know that my time is limited and, and there's only so much they need from me at this point. Um, but holy cow, we have the first Broadway run ever coming. And it is tomorrow morning. So by the time you are hearing this, it is today. And it is at 8 a.m. Eastern. It's going to be with Maddie Majacomo. And Maddie says, if this does well, there may be more. Well, there's tons of Broadway songs to choose from. I know. He asked for everybody's favorite. And you know what I did? I added Be More Chill. Be More Chill. Oh, that was such a good show. I know. But I don't think it's going to get added in because there were like people. Come on. (laughs) And just so everybody knows, if you've seen Be More Chill, that was a very funny joke. It was. It was. Uh, I was thinking about some kind of bathroom joke, but um, because I want to hear Michael in the bathroom. Yeah, but you can't run to that. I don't know. If it was a slow run, maybe you can. Michael in the bathroom is an amazing. Amazing song I know it is A a standout song In a show of standout Uh, songs But You This to make you want to (sighs) run Well We're going to see what he ends up with But it's only 20 minutes It's only going to be 20 minutes Yeah that's like Four songs Boom It's going to be over Yeah Which is why I don't know That I want to Be late to work Because all that Being late for 20 minutes So I'm not sure If I will or not Yeah But anyway I am really looking forward to this I'm very very excited about it I can't wait to see What Maddie chooses So It will be interesting He should really taunt people And uh Do food glorious food From Oliver (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you one song I cannot run to Is Christine Like Phantom of the Opera 
That's Christine. Christine. You know, I've never seen Phantom of the Opera. I, you know, I'll tell you, I don't feel like you're missing much. I, I know people will argue and get mad at me. I did not enjoy my... Now, granted, I live in the Midwest. Right. I did not go to a Broadway-level production of this. I, I don't even remember where I saw it. Like, it was... It was it wasn't community theater, but it wasn't like even. I didn't at think the anybody Fox. else could do it because you got you need the whole chandelier thing. Yeah, I have no idea. Did I don't the know. Chandelier I don't, fall. I don't remember. Oh, then it didn't. I just remember. that's like the pinnacle moment. You know how like uh, how like in uh, uh, Les Mis, it's got like the, the bridge scene, the bridge scene, or like the giant wall of junk that they built. Yes, like this is like. The the chandelier or Miss Saigon has the helicopter. Yeah, like I if, saw that at the Muni. That was good. You had seen it it done properly. You wouldn't be like, I don't remember if the chandelier. Yeah, fell. you'd be like, Sweet baby Jesus, a chandelier almost fell on us. I don't know. I just did not like the music in that one. Yeah. I felt it was really too repetitive. But we're getting off on a whole yes. other tangent again. We're tangenting. Yes, we are. Very tangential. Well, I will be tangential. So there's a uh, Peloton live event. Yes, and it was earlier in the week, but I wanted to make sure people had a chance to go back and get it. We talk, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago when it was first announced. Yeah, is, we did. Okay, so this is one of the uh, Peloton on track events. So it's it's leading up to the New York City Marathon, and uh, it's it was Ross Rayburn's first inclusion in a Peloton live event. So it was Bex Gentry and Ross Rayburn. Ah. So it talked a lot about how to get out of your head during marathons. Uh, I think it was a really good discussion. I want to make sure people get a chance to go back and listen to this. There's a new art. Series coming out Yes I'm It's funny to me That like I see that And I think cartoons Because Because when I saw Bad Bunny Right Writing with Cody I was like Expecting like A kid's character I didn't know What that <laughs> meant so, Like I never heard of it I mean I never heard Of Lizzo you're like, either you're Clearly like, oh, There's a PJ Masks ride <laughs> Right I'm like I don't know What's happening So I had to go Check it out But whenever I told Tom about it He already knew All about it Well I work In the concert industry I know But it's, it's not like You guys have a, a lot of DJ events playing Still gotta know About stuff Well you're very On top of your game Honey Very on top of your game Look at that Yes So Bad Bunny Is a, a DJ And he is very very popular mm-hmm. and he is in all kinds of remixes and all kinds of versions of songs so uh, he is going to be featured in a ride with Cody and that is going to be on 10 1 at 7 30 p.m. Eastern it's gonna be a 30 minute ride so you need to check it out as the month draws to a close that means the fall 30 day challenge is upon us it does and so you get a special badge for this challenge peloton has had four badges one for each season would it be like a badge bunny (laughs) yes (laughs) you just like it when i say bunny i knew (laughs) (laughs) oh my word So this is the fourth and final challenge that Peloton is going to do for the year. And you get a special little leaf if you complete it. I I think I've only completed one because we've been on trips during both of the others. You know who Um, likes leaves? Bunnies. (laughs) (laughs) Twitch your little nose like a little bunny. (laughs) So anyway, it starts on 10-1 and it will be like the other... 30-day challenges, you have to do some kind of activity within the Peloton realm. So even meditation counts, but you have to do one a day for 30 days to get your badge. They're actually going to have a run that's nothing but uh, hopping. (laughs) 
I should encourage you by giggling Because the more I giggle The more you'll do And Robin had a birthday this week She did Yes uh, Robin Arzan Had a birthday on September 20th And she had a ride that day It was a DJ John Michael ride So you definitely want to check that out It was lots of fun There was hugging It was really cute Oh so that's it? Yeah. Uh, well, that's the oh, I just oh, I no, I mean we we were talking about uh, you know Peloton birthdays this week, and I so there was just Robin then. <laughs> I mean, there was a Peloton adjacent birthday. Who would that be? It would be our very own Tom O'Keefe. Oh, that's right. It was my birthday. It was. I totally forgot. I did you. I did. Uh, Yes, September 24th, you turned 49. Yes. I can't wait until next year. Oh, dear. Yes. What are we going to (laughs) do? Well. Oh. Oh. I didn't know what that eyebrow raise meant. <laughs> Apparently, I've got not, plans. Not what I thought. <laughs> That's good. I want to have to wait a whole year. So, uh, yes, happy birthday! Oh well, thank you for remembering. Oh, I did remember <laughs> on your birthday we had a celebration. I gave you your present like two days before your birthday. <laughs> Sheesh! And finally, in honor of mine and Robin's birthday. <laughs> There is a sale on yoga classes There is You can get two weeks of unlimited yoga in the studio So you definitely want to go check that out It is at the studio uh, website that you can get those Man oh man do you love your AG1 I really do You do It's a wonderful tasting drink And it also makes me feel good Like it's a great way to start the day Uh, You know I grew up My dad always had things like tomato juice First thing in the morning I feel like AG1 is my tomato juice (laughs) (laughs) This generation's V8 Yes I I do Uh, But I love the way it makes me feel It's like I get all of my vitamins And I'm ready for the day Just with a drink And like I said It's a good tasting drink And it can help replace your your multivitamin just by drinking an AG1 every day. Yes. And not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. It also has vitamin C and zinc to support my immune health. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year Supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash clipout. That's drinkag1.com slash clipout. Check it out. If you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture size yes none of that with hero bread no because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs they have like no substance to it (laughs) it's like eating air it is and hero bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread like i did not feel like i was giving up something i was surprised at how big each slice of bread was here's the real test of a piece of bread (laughs) i didn't make a sandwich with these I just had toast Which you love Because you have toast Almost every day I do It was the (laughs) best textured Bread of this sort That I've ever had And if you're doing the math It's zero to one grams Of net carbs Zero gram sugar And high in fiber 
So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Awesome. Checking in with the Peloton community. So uh, joining us today via the magic of skype phone is Michelle Nyland. Hi, Michelle. How's it going? It's going great, Tom. How are you doing? How are you, Crystal? I'm good. I'm all pumped up, man. I'm so glad we finally got to do this interview. You've been on my list for a very long time, Michelle. Oh, wow. Well, thanks. I, I guess I didn't realize. <laughs> I don't share the list, so that's fair. <laughs> it did take a little while to get set up. My travel schedule's been a little crazy lately, so. Yeah, I can't wait to hear more about that, too. But what I always start with is, how did you originally find Peloton? How did I find Peloton? I had started working out in 2013 again after after kind of a break and i saw the kickstarter like late summer early fall 2013 and i kind of followed it for a while but as much as i like to be an early adopter of technology and i and i really do i didn't want to spend that kind of cash without trying it out so when the showroom opened at the mall here in dallas i went and i ended up ordering my bike in september of 2015 so that was still pretty darn early on. Yeah, it was pretty early. I mean, there wasn't. <laughs> it was. It, it felt early. I can say that much. I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to drop a couple thousand dollars on a bike for my house. And the funny thing is, I, I already have a bike in my pool. I have a rower. I have a elliptical. So I've basically got a full gym at my house. And I'm, I'm going to drop two thousand dollars on a spin bike, hoping that the classes continue. <laughs> Did you say a bike in your pool? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. we have to talk more about this. I need to. So so I, I'm picturing the kind like at the resorts, like where they like you can do the exercise class it's a, in the pool. It's exactly what it is. And the company offers actually instructor training for it as well. It's called Hydra Rider. It's a stainless steel bike made in Italy. And... I have what's called a play pool. So the pool is shallow through the whole pool. And the deepest part is in the very center. And it's about five feet deep. And I roll the bike over and toss it into the water. And I've got a 55-inch television out on my patio. And I stream the classes to an Apple TV device hooked up to the TV and uh, play it through a sound bar in the TV and ride the bike in the pool. Well, that's so does the bike sweet. move around. The bike has two wheels, just like a spin bike in a studio would, and you okay. can move the bike there. But it's stable when you're on it, so it's just okay, a spin like bike in the pool, and it doesn't have a like, lot of control. You're not pedaling around the pool. Not around the pool. You're pedaling. Okay. In the pool. Yeah, so yeah, he's, like, he's picturing you like riding, riding around, around the, right. the pool. <laughs> that, the pool is not that big, Tom. <laughs> Well, my first thought was like, why would you do that to a pool? Like, you have this wonderful place to go and relax, and then, and then you add that to it. Has that Which lessened the value of, of your pool? That's the whole point. You can have a beer while riding in the pool. Oh, so there's that. man. That's that sounds like a really sweet setup. It's, that sounds beautiful. It's great. It actually, and and Tom, it's actually my way of justifying spending more time in the pool. Okay, because right? then I feel wow. like I'm doing something. 
Well, if you're going to have a beer, I'm really glad that that bike is stationary. <laughs> That's a bad message to send. To okay, I'll take that. I'll take that under okay. consideration. <laughs> well, then I have to ask, is the cup holder above the water? I have to, you know, then I have the- to set it close enough to the side because there isn't really okay. a cup holder. Which, okay. Which makes it a little bit tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Little- they should just give you a really big straw. You're in a, you're in a pool. <laughs> I'll never run out of water. <laughs> That, that, that could be a whole bad scene, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so you said you had started working out again. So did do you feel like Peloton kind of changed what level you were in from a uh, in-shape standpoint? Or do you feel like you were already in good shape and, and it's just kind of helped you maintain that? Yeah, the big thing for me is that I've always struggled with breathing and heart rate. So, I mean, from when I was a kid, I actually had a problem with a deviated septum that I didn't know until like 2015. I ended up having surgery for my deviated septum. And I just thought that it was stupid when people would tell me to, you know, I'd be working out with a coach or something. They'd be like, okay, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I'm like, how does anybody do that while they're working out? Well, it turns out that if your nose doesn't work, it's harder to do that. So I had the deviated septum fixed and then I could breathe better. But my heart rate always jumped really, really quickly when I did any kind of high intensity cardio type activity. And what would happen, I was I was doing CrossFit, so I was doing high intensity interval training like three to five times a week, and I was really strong. But when it came time to run, or if I did anything really fast, my heart rate would immediately jump to like 170 beats per minute. And I'm kind of old now, so that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I got really worried. I actually went to the doctor and like asked if I was okay to work out. I went to my doctor and I'm like, I need to know if I'm okay to work out or if I need to be worried about this. And the doctor did an EKG and ran some checks and said, no, you can work out. Don't worry about it. But it was really uncomfortable. And when Peloton introduced heart rate zone training in 2016, so they started the uh, power zone and the heart rate zone training, I immediately resonated with the heart rate zone training because I was like, this is what I really need. I need to figure out how to work out in a way that I can control my breathing and control my heart rate. And it's actually done so much for me also in being able to calm myself down in meetings and other things in life. So I noticed myself starting to get upset and I can do a better job of controlling it now. So it's really kind of taken that to another level. And I do stuff that I hadn't done in a very long time, riding a bike outside and doing more hiking and just being more active in general. I'm sure Tom wow. can relate, right, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm always calm. <laughs> <laughs> Except when I talk about a certain someone. <laughs> I think she meant the exercise. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> then sure. <laughs> you did hike the once this year. Yeah. So you made me hike. I did. But how far? I didn't realize. Uh, it was it ended up being like what five miles? It was six miles actually. Six miles? Yeah, it was six miles. It was three miles in, three miles back. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, up, up an iceberg or something. What I do? It was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> what? It was a glacier, honey. Okay. We hiked to a Aren't glacier. They the same thing. <laughs> well, an iceberg's in the middle of the water. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, if you we didn't if you swim z- to it. If you zoom out far enough, we're all in the middle of the water. <laughs> Like Michelle's bike. 
He's got a point. You know, it's, he, yeah. does, he does. You know, that's. I wasn't even going to go there, Michelle, because if you give him that kind of ammo, he's going to keep going. Don't just, argue with the guest. Goes honey. and goes was, and goes. Okay. She said I was right. Note to self. I think we should just leave it there. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that we were all in Alaska within like a week of each other. Nice. Yeah, I, I remember our, seeing you post a few things. Our trips were vastly different. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, you should tell the audience what you did on your trip instead of our cruise. My summer vacation was also a cruise. <laughs> there were 11 of us on a 78-foot converted fishing boat. And it took three days to get there. So we flew to Anchorage and then to Kodiak on Kodiak Island. And then the last day we, we took a a float plane out to the boat and the boat was off the coast of the Alaskan Peninsula in the Katmai National Park which is known for its bears and we went on a bear safari so I went to take pictures of bears isn't that cool wow <laughs> that's doesn't sound fun at all there was there was not a peloton to be found and there was no internet connection <laughs> that's upsetting for right a whole there. week no internet. it was oh it my was, gosh it was the best it was so great <laughs> We didn't see another person for five days. Wow. Wow. So, this, I, yeah, they were remote. I would think at some point that would get scary. Like, I start to get, like, in my head, like, but what if something happens? Like, what if I... Did you guys have a guide? Like, somebody that was, like, knew where you guys were going and how to get back? The owner of the boat is actually... He's a bear guide for the last 26 years. He's been taking people out. And it's the owner and his wife and then a first mate. And basically, he takes all these all these folks that take pictures for like National Geographic and stuff. These world famous photographers that do wildlife photography, most of them end up with him at some point. And a wow. friend had taken a tour with one of the photographers with him a couple years back, and just was like, "Hey, we should go do this." And then all of a sudden, That's- like a year and a half ago, I get an, I get a text. So what do you think about July of next year? It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Then I had to make up my mind. It actually, I was like, I don't know. That's a long time away. I can't believe I even like gave it a second thought. It was the best trip. So it was so much fun. There were the people, there was a couple that had flown in from South Africa that went with us. She's a professional photographer for a conservation group, works with safaris and stuff. The people that planned it, they set up safaris. Her job is to set up custom high-end safaris for a living. And Wait, um, I just, I, I'm, I'm just interested by those two words, high-end safaris. Like, <laughs> like, are there other kinds? There, there, there happens to be a very large range. None of them are cheap, mind you. But the high-end ones are, are particularly expensive. From what I've been able really? to, what I've been able to discern, I haven't yet been on any kind of safari. Do you know, like, what what do you get? Do they like <laughs> you? Like, you're just in a Tesla, or what? <laughs> yeah. What makes them high end as opposed to the other safaris? The accommodations, the food, how many people, what you're focused on. So, for instance, I've been looking at photography safaris, right? That are focused on the photography, and a lot of times you take a truck, right? That's got like three or four rows of seats in it, yeah, and you'll have right. two people normally in each row and if you go on a photography safari you only have one person per row so that you can take pictures out of take both sides side. of the vehicle okay oh, so it's a okay. lot more yeah. expensive right so there's going to be right. less people 
and it, it's going to be a little more costly for that, plus for the guides and stuff. And okay. you a lot of times have to pay extra for the, you need extra weight if I'm lugging camera gear around. There's stuff like that, but I think it's mostly, from what I've been able to tell, it's it's where you stay, so proximity to where you want to be at what time, and then okay. the types of accommodations and the types of food and the types of beverages that are available at said accommodations. Interesting. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating. It is. I've only, I looked up African safaris about five or six years ago. Maybe it was longer because I think it was before I before we I was started like, going this out. This has never been on our vacation <laughs> and, itinerary. And so I I do this thing where I watch movies and I'm like, where did they film that? Can I go there? So you know, don't ever watch Gravity with me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I was watching the John Wayne movie Hatari. Yes, because I thought it was about the video game system. <laughs> and, and he's on a safari in that movie And it's really just an excuse so they could take it a safari And like charge the film studio for it But it's got all this great footage of animals But it's like It, it might be upsetting for some people Because like their definition of what you could do with animals Is very different When this movie was made was a little different Yes. But I was like oh I wonder if that's still around And like the, the resort that they stay at Is still there And like markets itself is like Hey we're where they shot Hatari And I'm like how many people are really looking that up, but uh, <laughs> you well, were one you, of them. I was one of them. <laughs> Probably lots of people. A- apparently, <laughs> it's a Howard Hawks movie. I love Howard Hawks. Yeah. So that's going to be our summer vacation next year. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's, well, it's a heck. I mean, I, it's something. So I've been looking at it for a few years now, and I really want to do it. I just, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, where do you, you know, picking where you want to go and who you want to go with, and. You tend to think that it should be a once in a lifetime thing. Of course, now my my friends that do this kind of thing, right? They're like, "Oh no! Once you go, you're going to go back." And I'm thinking, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I have the list of places that I want to go to is so long that it's hard for me to imagine that I'm going to love someplace enough to want to go back. But this this trip to Alaska, actually, I'd taken my mom on a Alaskan cruise. We did one of the larger cruise lines, Holland America, and uh, mm-hmm. we had done that in 20, oh, 2010. I'd taken my mom on a cruise. And I loved it, which was part of why my mom was she talked me into going on this trip. She's like, you like the people? You love boats? You want to do wildlife <laughs> photography? She's like, why are you not just going? <laughs> Your I'm mom like, sounds awesome. Yeah. I guess I should just go. <laughs> <laughs> and you do travel a lot for work and personal, so I, I'm curious because it just seems like you've been everywhere. So it's it's fascinating that you have a long list of places you still want to go. And the the list is never ending. The list is absolutely never ending. So yeah, so I lived in Europe for five years, and that was great. That was with work, and that gave me a really terrific opportunity to travel around and do like weekend trips because everything's close. I'll never forget, like I'd been in France for, I don't know, like two months, and I was going every weekend somewhere, and I remember going in like Friday morning and talking to my boss at the time, and I was like, hey, you know, Jean-Jacques, I need to I need to take off early today because I'm going to go away for the weekend. He's like, you go away every weekend. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, Nice. He's like, you're, you're going to Nice for the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a nine-hour drive. 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drive down tonight. I'll spend Saturday and Sunday, and then Sunday afternoon I'll come back, and I'll make sure I'm here in time for work on Monday. And he was like, I mean, I was like 26, right? <laughs> so I didn't care wow. about sleeping. So he was like, you're crazy. And and I did it, and I was a little tired that week. But <laughs> <laughs> but now you've been to Nice. But Nice yeah. was excellent. The south of France is fantastic. So, yeah, no. So I did a lot of a lot of weekend travel and took several I I had European vacation. European vacation is the best thing ever. So when you're 26, you've got like 2 weeks of vacation, right? In Europe, you get 5 or 6 weeks. Oh. So, nice. so I automatically had the same vacation that my European colleagues did, which gave me even more opportunity. Plus I had a company car with paid fuel. Which Holy made crap. Life, wow. which made life really good. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to know about this job. And are they hiring? And are they hiring? <laughs> yeah. When I first went over, I, I, so I started, I'm an, I'm an electrical engineer and I work in automotive and I'm currently in sales. When I first started going to Europe, I, was, I actually started going over as a co-op student. I worked for General Motors. We had a project where one of the suppliers was in Germany and I was working very closely with the supplier. So we had to go over and visit the supplier and make sure everything was going okay you know that whole project management thing that you know so well crystal <laughs> yes she does <laughs> you gotta make sure stuff's happening right right Each- it's why this podcast runs so much more efficiently than the one i do without it <laughs> <laughs> I-, I do have to say all the emails and everything came from crystal so <laughs> yes yes tom yes. tom does not do that so i'm just here for dick jokes <laughs> Nice. So I started going over with GM and then GM decided that they didn't want to move me to Europe because I wanted to live over there. And um, Hewlett Packard did. So I ended up working for Hewlett Packard at a General Motors facility in France. I was basically doing project support type activities. And then I got into product management and project management while I was there. So I was working part-time at the customer site and part-time at the Hewlett-Packard office in Germany working on a project. And when Hewlett-Packard and Agilent split in 99, then Mm -hmm. the work that I was doing, the automotive piece, kind of fell through the bottom. And they offered me a retention bonus, but I was young and scared. And I was like, I don't really want to turn out the lights in a foreign country. So I opted to move back to Michigan and took a job in IT, but I really wasn't ready to leave yet. And I got back to the States and the whole IT thing was pretty intense high pressure and lots of I was doing server support I wasn't doing the server support I was managing server support and I was getting phone calls at two o'clock in the morning on the weekends and decided that wasn't really for me so I got a call from Bosch the stuff that I had worked on for Hewlett-Packard got given back to another company and then ended up at Bosch so the Bosch people found out who I was and they were like hey how would you like to go to Germany so 10 months after I moved back to Michigan, I was planning my move to Germany. Ah. <laughs> and I ended up spending two and a half years in Germany for a subsidiary of Bosch, which was great. Wow. Yeah. So wow. Nice. So it was good. You, and I'm sure they're both fantastic. still hiring. It, it, it's funny. <laughs> Every place else that I've lived, I've never seen... In Michigan, most of my friends had either traveled extensively overseas with work or had lived overseas because it's you really see it a lot in automotive 
And yeah, and I don't see it nearly as much like where I'm at right now in Dallas. And how did you end up in Dallas? We lived here when I was a kid. And we moved okay. back to Michigan the summer before my senior year of high school. So I ended up okay. going to college in Michigan and got into automotive. Then my family, as soon as I got into college, they all left. <laughs> <laughs> they, went, they moved to New York and they dropped my sister off in New York. And then they went back to Texas. So oh. my sister followed them to Texas. I was like, are you kidding me? They keep dropping us off in different states. You're going to follow them? <laughs> and uh, she followed them to Texas. But then, but see, then she got married and had kids, right? So then everybody okay. was stable because my parents aren't going anywhere without the grandkids. Now, right. So, Gosh, right. So I was like, okay, safe to come back. <laughs> That's what they call an anchor baby <laughs> Right? Isn't that what that is? That's exactly I, what it is <laughs> I think if it wasn't, it is now yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow yeah. So with all this traveling, why'd you buy a bike that can't go along with you? <laughs> I, I ended up buying a bike that can go along eventually Yeah. <laughs> She's. Uh, you, have you gotten your 100th, your Century shirt yet? I don't know how you could have squeezed it in <laughs> I'm at like 920 20 something rides <laughs> holy crap that's, awesome. yeah. that's so cool yeah it's it, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing because when do you know it, the, it took me a year to get my century and wow. i was like really happy with working out like a third of the time right because i travel about 50 percent to 70 percent of the time wow. during the week and that is a lot yeah it's a, it's a whole lot so what i found is that as I got more involved, I didn't even, I didn't join a Facebook group. I didn't ride, I didn't ride live for over a year. It was like a year and three months before I took my first live ride. Oh, and that's so sad. It, it really is, right? <laughs> I look back at it now and I'm like, all the fun is with the community, right? So yes, working on setting up schedules and going and meeting people. I've met, I have met absolutely the best people through this whole thing. And that's really what has driven the last three years. I'm coming up on my fourth Pelliversary. Wow. <laughs> Which is so strange. But yeah, I bought the bike because with as much as I was traveling, I was having a really hard time getting to CrossFit. And I'm pretty okay with doing body weight exercise and stuff on my own. And that's what I do when I travel a lot. So okay. I really wanted a more interesting cardio option. I was tired of the elliptical and the rower just bores me to death. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, I have trouble with the rower. It's great exercise. I just I can't get into it. I completely understand. I was going to go down a whole rabbit hole of what that would be like if you know, I like as far to as the hydro. and I stopped. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the only time I'll be quiet the whole time. <laughs> so, do you end up using Peloton Digital now when you travel? Lately, I've been using it a lot more. So, when it was just the cycling and stretches and stuff, I didn't use it very much because the bikes tend to be. I stay at like Hilton properties, and it's mm -hmm. always recumbent like crappy recumbent bikes and I just don't have the patience for that. I would occasionally mm -hmm. use it to do an elliptical session, but I find that I do better if I just play music and plan out my own intervals if I do something like that. So, but now with everything that's on there, I'm starting to do more and more with the digital. That's great. Yeah. It's it's pretty impressive what they put together. 
So it is, it is, and I and I love the. I don't know if you're interested in the treadmill or anything, but I love all the workouts on the treadmill too. You know, I really I need to start doing some. I have never been a runner, and I'm like, I swear I would I I was never gonna run, and I'm like, oh, I want to try the tread, but now, <laughs> now I'm afraid to. Right? <laughs> yeah, I could see why because you like technology, <laughs> and, and I just buy stuff. I mean, it's just everywhere. <laughs> have a whole and it's a beautiful it. machine. Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous machine. So it, I can totally see. <laughs> I, I've seen it. I've managed to not step on one yet. But um, oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, the local showroom knows I'm a sucker. So <laughs> they're, trying, they're trying to schedule a run. <laughs> <laughs> what they should do is invite you in for your thousandth ride. Exactly. And then while you're there, don't tell them. My- <laughs> 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 hey, don't you want to try out the tread? You can just exactly. buy it. I can just buy it right then. <laughs> I know that you really love the Pillow Winos group. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So, so Pillow Winos is fun, right? Because it's it's actually very little Pillow and mostly Wino. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk a whole lot of it's. It's like of all of the Facebook groups that I'm in and that I that I keep track of, it, it's the only one where we almost never talk about anything Peloton related. <laughs> so you don't start every sentence with NPR, but no, 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 no. There's, there's none of that. It's all it's, about it's NWR, but <laughs> there you go, there you go. Yeah, that would that would be the difference. Every once in a while, somebody will post post a graph or something, and it's like, wait, what was that? <laughs> Wrong page. Yeah. So I and you guys have talked to Bill. Bill Luby is yes. Um, yes is a friend of mine that I've met through the bike, and we had been talking on different groups and and it kept coming up we both love wine and he kept making funny comments like oh we should start a wino group and and i'm like yeah it sounds like fun let's do it right and i yeah i'm not gonna do it so all of a sudden one day i get an invitation to be an admin (laughs) So, (laughs) so there it is yeah so that was december of 2017 that the group started and we've got like we've we've got quite a few members i'm not sure like 4,000 members or something at this point wow oh wow that's a lot actually now i have to look because because <laughs> now I need to know how now it's important to me to know how many people we have in the group 4,551 <laughs> members wow yeah that's not that's bad a for a bunch of people talking about wine right yeah it really isn't and so you are a wine taster I am because Somali- I can't say that word yeah, I'm a I have no Sommelier, okay. Oh, it's similar. Yeah. Not sommelier. I don't want to embarrass you, not but sommelier. it's... it's yeah. Sommelier. Sommelier. Yeah, yeah that's, I've been doing yeah. that for a while. How do you even get involved in that? There's a lot of drinking, Crystal. <laughs> no. um, tasting and drinking are two different things. Because <laughs> if you, yeah. if you like drink it. too much, you no longer are tasting. Right. Right. I think that's why I'm not qualified. To yeah, be she's one. like, she has zero interest in that. <laughs> why would you do that? There's there's spitting. Yeah, the people are like, that's perfectly good wine. Why why would you do that? Why are you spitting it out? Yeah, yeah. you, don't, you don't know how much restraint I'm showing right now <laughs> as you guys are talking I about totally, spitting. I, it, it's going through my head, Tom, and I'm wine. thinking, yeah, I was. Just You're welcome. For it. Yeah. I I also <laughs> want the other people listening to this conversation right now. Whether there are a lot of people screaming. At their, at their cars or their phone They're like how is Tom Not making a joke What is going on I just want them to know Oh I'm making a lot of them But 
she would have just edited them all out. <laughs> so Every that's one the of reason. Them. See, editing yes. would have happened. Okay. Yes. <laughs> There's okay. so many jokes there. Yeah. Yes. So many jokes. When I lived in Europe, I did a lot of a lot of traveling and what I found is that there's a lot of wine regions in Europe and where there's wine there's generally food that complements the wine because they evolve oh. together and I've okay. always been a foodie so I've cooked for my family since I was about 10 or 11 years old and as soon as I was able to cook with alcohol I did because <laughs> if I made something with tequila then I got to drink some tequila and <laughs> my parents were great about this right so that's fabulous <laughs> my parents always believed and and they told or at least my mom did I don't know my dad didn't usually talk about it because he was working all the time but my mom was like if you know how it feels to have something to drink you're a lot less likely to go try it with your friends right so yeah. so that basically I mean they, they wouldn't give me enough to drink that I'd get drunk, but I, I knew what it felt like to have a cocktail. I, I would make fajitas and marinate the chicken in beer, and I marinate the shrimp in tequila, and, and oh. have a margarita while I was out there. I was, you know, 15 years old. As long as I wasn't leaving the house, it was okay. <laughs> I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I always liked to cook, and I always liked seeing how things paired with the food, and wine was a natural extension of that. And when I moved to Europe, it became a huge part of my travels. So it was like, okay, get up in the morning, do a wine tasting, go see a cathedral, have lunch, come back, see another cathedral, go to a castle, do another wine tasting, have dinner. So every one of my trips is to Europe is planned around wine areas and castles and churches and where to eat. Wow. <laughs> that sounds so cool. Being a sommelier, is, is that like an official like thing? Did you have to take a class or, or how does that work? Yeah, I learned a lot just by traveling around and talking to people. But then when I came back to the States, I actually, I'd always thought about going into some kind of part of the restaurant business. And then I decided I liked my evenings and weekends. So yeah. I didn't do it. And when I came back, I was like, you know, I really ought to see what this is about. And I volunteered to work with a master sommelier in Michigan. I actually I had actually bought a seat at a dinner for 150 bucks with a friend. And this master sommelier was like, hey, if you want to come work this event with me, you're welcome to come. And I wanted to work the event so bad that I gave the ticket to my friend I was going with. She took her daughter. Oh. And I actually worked the event that I had paid to attend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I ended up working with that master sommelier until I moved down to Texas. So I was, I was working with her for eight years. And the Court of Master Sommeliers, a group that promotes the profession. This in, in service, so being a sommelier and serving wine and taking care of wine in restaurants. And I started, because I was working under a master sommelier, and there's like 200 of them in the world, 280 I think have passed in the world. And, oh, wow. um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a very small number with that title. And there's a movie called Psalm that is a okay. documentary, and it documents the process of becoming a master sommelier and it's it was enough to like give me an upset stomach because it's so gut-wrenching when you're trying to go through it there's so much information and you need to know all the wine areas and all the laws and how the wine's made and how all the different alcohols how all the different liquors everything's made what it tastes like where it's from the history you need to know all the things so it's a it's a pretty exhaustive thing how do they teach you what something 
tastes like. You taste it. So I mean, so like with wine, we would do so, and I'm and I'm not a master sommelier. I'm not even an advanced. There's four levels. So there's um, oh, okay. um, an intro, a certified, an advanced, and then a master. I took the intro in 2004. And I've sat the advanced three times, but I've never passed all three parts. So wow. all three times that I sat it, I passed the tasting and the service part and failed the theory, which everybody just died because as an engineer, everybody thought I'd do well. <laughs> but the service part and the tasting part involve talking and working with people. And I'll get really nervous, but as soon as I start talking with people, I'm usually okay. You can't shut me up, right? So <laughs> so I did really well in those two parts. And the theory, I just kind of froze. So all three times I failed theory. But it's quite the process to get there. And wow, it's there's, there's a lot to it. So, yeah. Is that something, is that just like, not just, but is that solely a hobby or is that something that like you, you can do in. professionally? I wanted to, and I go back and forth. So like every, we actually had a thread on this on Pelowinos last night and today. <laughs> it's, it's something that I wanted to do. And I would still love to get into the wine industry somehow. And, and for me, one of the big things is with working out, I feel like you can have delicious food that's good for you and fuels your body and drink and still, you know, you can still be healthy and, and enjoy these things. And you just have to do things in moderation a little bit. But there's, there's great food and there's ways to imbibe occasionally without really messing with it. Sure, I think that. Yeah, I'm absolutely. It's it's definitely about balance. Yeah. And so, if I could get into it, I'd love to. But the reality of the of the situation is that I'm also single and like the sole provider for for my little self. And uh, I like <laughs> to travel and have expensive hobbies. So my day job <laughs> pays better than the wine business. <laughs> Totally. We get it. Yes. We feel the same way about podcasting. <laughs> they're, they're great. Yes. <laughs> haven't paid so a what's bill the, yet. Yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> Hasn't paid a bill yet, let alone the bill. The wine has been so, very expensive. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> well, if there's anything that you should incorporate into your lifestyle, a great philosopher once said, don't get high on your own supply. There you go. No Snoop Dogg. I, see, I should have learned that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm also a collector. So <laughs> that's a problem. Oh, yeah. no. It's like when I worked at the comic book store. Yes, oh. that's exactly yes. what it's like. So what's the, what, what, what is like the major difference between an advanced sommelier, sommelier, sommelier whatever, <laughs> wine guy, <laughs> and a master wine guy it's you know there can be a huge difference in there mastery is an interesting thing so the difference in the tests are the level of details that you need to know and and how you handle things so like the service exam you're actually serving people and okay. the advanced is a little more forgiving than the master so I haven't sat the master, so I don't know exactly. I couldn't give you a specific example, but from everything that I understand, it's just it's there's just a higher level of expectation for the theory. It goes from a written exam to an oral exam, and the level of wines that you're blind tasting. So you're when you blind taste a wine, there's six wines. You have 25 minutes, okay, and there's three whites and three reds. And as soon as you touch the first glass, the timer starts. 
And you have to go through all six wines and you have to give a description of what it looks like, what it smells like, what it tastes like. You have to give an initial and a final conclusion with how old it is, the level of quality, where it's from, and what kind of grape it is. Whoa. Wow. And, and you get points. When they say how old, like, do you have to nail the year or just like a dirt or a range? And that's the difference between an advanced and a master's, to, to, oh. to my understanding, to an extent, right? Because you, you have to, in your initial, you would say like three to five years. And then in your okay. final, you would say what, what the vintage is. You'd but be the, like 1952. Yeah, they don't do a lot of 1952 wines in the exams, but we would have, I, I think, one year. Because they're too year, expensive? Expensive and hard to find, and you wouldn't be able to count on it being good. Um, plus, oh, yeah. plus, how would you practice? So the whole point of That's wine fair. tasting is to be able to assess the quality of a wine blind. So... It shouldn't matter if a wine is a $10 bottle of wine or the most famous $1,000 a bottle at release wine. And you should treat the wine with the same respect and give it the same chance in a glass. But if you know that it's $1,000 a bottle, that, that messes with your head no matter who you are. Sure. So that's what blind tasting is really all about. It's about assessing quality and, and being able to tell if something is typical. Because the other thing is, if you're in the service industry, if, if I'm working in a restaurant and somebody comes in and says, okay, I like such and such Cabernet from this producer. If I don't know that wine, at least I can figure out where it's from and that it's Cabernet and try to find something that the person would like that would be maybe similar. And if I'm selling wine or if I want to prepare my restaurant to be able to sell wine, I want to find things that are typical for what they are because I don't want everybody to have to taste everything to know what it tastes like. So some wines are more typical than others. Huh. Okay. Anyway, I don't so, know if that makes sense. I can go down. No, it does. This yeah. is a so, rabbit hole that I can go down for hours. Yeah. You guys I be bet. sorry. It's like when you ask me about classic television. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> like, like, well, Desi Arnaz is into the three camera or setup the monkey. No, we can talk about well, Yeah. Yeah, which is also a sitcom. Yeah, so. Are you saying that it's not a classic sitcom? Is that what you were getting? Ooh, ooh, I did, I did jump right in there, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Oh no, I don't know about that this. was. I'm, I just, I'm sorry, Crystal. So, like, if 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 I was picking wine, I would say something like, "So, what do you have that's closest to tasting like Kool Aid?" Yes, that is what you that's, would say. That's what I like. That's what you like. So, are you a Boone's Farm guy? I don't even know. I don't really like wine. I don't. I've never. You, you know what is, he likes is girly drinks. I like. I like. I said. I like something that tastes like Kool Aid. Yeah. This is going to shock and appall you. I've never drank a wine that I've enjoyed. Uh, it all tastes gross to me. All right. This is. I'm, I'm going to take this as a personal challenge, Tom. Uh oh. Now you know how I felt about the monkey's comment you made, <laughs> Missy. <laughs> There you go. I'm gonna, Crystal, I'm going to send you a list of Kool-Aid-like wines. Okay. <laughs> She's like, this is the cheapest shit they make. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Buy it for this list. So, so, so seriously, if you say that you like, if you like Kool-Aid wine, right, if you wanted right. something that tasted like Kool-Aid, I would actually turn that around and say you want something that's fruity and off-dry, so something that's sweet. So I would yes. probably go for a Riesling from Germany, which is going to have a lot of fruit and probably some residual sugar in it. And it can still have really great acidity and be really good with food. But mm. it's going to be yummy. <laughs> well, he's all about the yummy. I like yummy. <laughs> <He's important. laughs> 
I too am a sommelier, but for soda. Well, <laughs> you know, there are there are sommeliers for tea and for water. So there think, are not. So I think for so water. For water, yes. They're just making that up, <laughs> right? Yeah, I for actually there were, there were questions on my test about water, different waters, and where they're from. You had to know like, like the brand of water and where they're from. Yeah. Oh, like wow. Tea I get, but water. Hmm. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You've seen say. that movie Sideways. I'm giving the water people side eye. <laughs> That's what that movie should be called. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what. When I was in Alaska in July, they have a desalinator on the boat to take the salt out of the water, right? So you can use the sure. water. And that yeah. water tasted awful. And really? yeah, one of the people tried it, and the rest of us decided not to. <laughs> um, you don't want to damage your wine tasting. Like, and we did have wine. We we shipped um, three cases of wine. We ended up going. It, it's a area that's glacial, right? So yeah, there's you know it's volcanic and glacial, and we actually would go collect water from waterfalls, glacial waterfalls. And that's what we drank. And at first I was like, is this going to be okay? Because <laughs> we're just right. like holding, right, yeah. we're holding a five-gallon container under a waterfall. And right. Yeah, it was fantastic. That's cool. So it does well, make we, a difference where the water comes from. It's from the source. I Well, yeah. I had a Glacierita. <laughs> Crystal? It was actually quite tasty. <laughs> What's the best part of your cruise? Oh, gosh. Did you see bears? Oh. We did not see any, didn't bears. see any bears. We did get to see whales, though. Whales are good. And lots of seals. Nice. So that was that was fun. I, I think just getting to see all the different places was yeah. the best part, you know? It's such a beautiful place. and It really is. There is a lot to see. But yeah, it's amazing how different it can be and still be part of the same country. And that was one of the things it, that I noticed with living overseas, right? Everything is so compact, but you could drive two hours and be in a different country and people would speak a different language. Yeah, yeah. that's fascinating. And that was that's, a very interesting aspect of the travel and living overseas. Did you end up learning any other languages or did you stick with English? Oh, I, um, I am functional in French and German. I took nice. Spanish in high school because I lived in Texas. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. You know, when would you ever use French or German, right? So, right. <laughs> so I moved over there, and it's funny because my French is mostly uh, social. So I learned a lot of food words and wine words and social vocabulary in in France because the people at work I worked at a General Motors facility, and they wanted to work on their English because English is the is the company language, and they sure. wanted American English. So, but as soon as it was coffee break or lunchtime, everything went to French, and then they wanted to see how red they could make my face go. So, <laughs> so that was that was how they could tell if I was learning, <laughs> if I understood well, the jokes. That's fabulous. And then I, I was just going to ask you about your photography oh, too. Yeah. How did you get into photography? So it was another one of these things. I've always just loved it. I think one of my uncles, when I was growing up, he always had a camera, and I loved looking at his pictures and then he started, he would let me use his camera here and there. So I'd, you know, I'd buy a roll of film and take it. And this was like when I was eight or 10. And then when I turned 11, my parents gave me uh, my first SLR, my first single lens reflex 35 millimeter camera for my birthday. And I kind of never turned back. So I traveled with it everywhere and 
took pictures throughout college and, and when I started traveling overseas. And then when I graduated from school, I was traveling to Europe frequently before I moved over there. And I, I convinced myself that it was okay to buy a really nice camera and some nice lenses because when are you ever going to get back, right? You know, <laughs> right. paying all this money to send me over there. When am I ever going to get back? Little did I know I'd move over there. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's when I started really getting into it. And then it's another thing like the wine thing, right? Where it's just a hobby that's gone completely wild. And so I do, I try to do at least one professional course in photography a year and so like this the trip to alaska was a photography trip and i actually have next week i'm on vacation i'm going to be in oklahoma working with a guy that does album covers actually that's so cool yeah so i'm taking a workshop from a guy that does album covers and a friend of mine who is really one of the top pros in in lighting working with lighting so i'll be with so next weekend has he shot any album covers that we would know? He's shot over 600 album covers, but he's based out of Tennessee. So most of his, he's outside of Nashville in Franklin. And so he's shot. Country. So yeah, Keith Urban and. Oh yeah, we know, I know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah Keith Urban, <laughs> uh, Trisha Yearwood, Brooks and Dunn. Um, he's, he's done a ton and that's fast. That's fabulous. That's so cool. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be fun. And he's a, he's a real, I've met him before. He's a really good guy and he's actually a really good teacher. So, and that's, I normally shoot, I do travel photography and I do a lot of, I have two nephews and I spend a lot of time at like baseball games and band events and stuff like that. So I'm kind of their personal paparazzi and um, (laughs) I shoot a lot of kid stuff. Right. So I I don't get the chance to work with lights and and people very often. So this should be fun. Okay, Your life is fascinating. Yeah. You do lots of cool stuff. Good for you. Yes, absolutely. Good for you. I like it. (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) Works well for me most of the time. It sounds it. It does. So have you been to the studio? I have. Traveling? I have. Okay. I'm like, the answer is no. That's (laughs) going to be pretty lame. I've actually written. So, Crystal, I don't know if you remember. I actually rode next to you at HRI in 2018. I think it must have been. It was either in. Did you do a Christine class? I don't know. I don't think I did a Christine class. There was one of the classes over HRI. I ended up riding next to you because that was the first time that I met you in person. Yes, I do remember that. I HRI is so much fun. There's it's so crazy. It's hard there. to it's, it's hard to think about all the people that you met. So and yes. people know more about who you are than they do about me. So I wouldn't have been surprised if you didn't remember. But I remember very <laughs> clearly because I was sitting next to Albright's. I had I had Brian and Olivia on one side and you on the other side. <laughs> I I remember that. Um, I feel like. God, I was. It was that JJ's class. I, I think that, it was JJ's. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to say. It's probably JJ's. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Then I I remember exactly when that was. Yeah. Yes. So, I don't get there a lot. I managed at the end of 2017. And through 2018, I got there like four or five times, four, four times. I went in October and December in 2017, and then I went in March, and then I went to HRI. Well, with your schedule, that seems pretty amazing that you got there four times in that time period. Yeah, I got really lucky that it worked. And my nephews had been begging. I take my nephews on a trip every other year, and they have been wanting to go to New York City for ages. So I actually did a compo trip. I took them, to, I took them and my mother to New York City, and we spent like the better part of a week, and then I I sent them home on Thursday and spent the weekend at the studio. Oh, my nice. gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> so I did wow. a combo there. And my, my poor you, mom, my mom took the boys home and both of them were sick. 
Oh. Like one of them was throwing up the whole way home on the plane. I don't know. If she, oh, I think no. she still hasn't forgiven me for that one. So you got rid of them just in time. Uh, well, timing, done. Right? <laughs> well done. Well <laughs> done. I'm impressed. It was really cold. It was in March. And it was really cold. Yeah, I guess, and all that wind up there too. Yeah, yeah oh, it was pretty. Yeah. It was pretty wild. But yeah, we had a good time. But they were the younger one was too young to ride in the studio, and he was totally bummed. Aww. He, he wanted he wanted to ride, and we didn't get to ride in the studio. So that is a bummer. So I might that so I might end up having to take them back. I don't know. We'll see. You are the best aunt in the uh, world. No I, I, you should I adopt am a good us. aunt. I am a good aunt. <laughs> is your brother or sister adopting? <laughs> I think I think she's all full. Okay, <laughs> darn it. I don't think there's any more room. Yeah, no, yeah, I've got a younger sister. So, and she's the boys are uh, 12 and 14, so they're like super fun now. Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a fun age. You get to start actually doing stuff. Yeah. You don't have to watch your language quite so much. No, actually, we never had that did. conversation that's on true. Sunday. I went over to my sister's house and I I said something and my mom was like, "Michelle, I'm like, he's heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a cell phone. He's heard it. And he's like, oh, man, sixth grade was really bad. He's like, no one near as bad as the sixth graders. <laughs> <laughs> got to step up your game. Right? You got to work on it. by sixth graders, you wuss. <laughs> exactly. I got to work on it. So, Michelle, we have to make sure everybody knows what your leaderboard name is and how you came up with it. Okay, so the leaderboard name is Finding My Way, and it's literally just because it's all about the journey. So, that's what I am. I'm I Finding love that. My Way. I love well, that. I would like to congratulate you on your leaderboard name, and here's why. Okay. Because normally people get the bikes this early, it's just like first name, last initial. That's true. You and, were very early. Because it was so easy to get your first name and last initial that early in, but instead of doing that... You went with something that actually described or said something. You did something like different back when you could have done the easy route. Could have route, done the so. easy route. Yeah. Well no. done. Well, thanks. Yeah. Hat so, tip. I, I I did start with the name, though. I have to admit, I did start. <laughs> I changed I it. Everything I, changed I just it, said. I changed it very early on, though, because I decided, which is so funny. I, I changed it because I realized people, it was starting to get popular, right? And I was yeah. like, what if I don't want somebody to know who I am? So, like, my picture on the leaderboard is me as an eight-year-old. <laughs> so, like, the first time I met, I met Tom LaBelle, he was, like, he was like, there's, like, a picture of a kid on your leaderboard picture. He's like, how am I going to know who you are? I'm like, I'm six foot one and I have red hair. You'll know who I am. So... I, I was like, oh, I won't change it because I don't necessarily just want my name out there, right? And now sure. I'm on like all the Facebook pages with with my regular Facebook profile, so everybody can know who I am. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I did change it pretty early on. I changed it about a year in. <laughs> well, but we'll we'll let it slide uh, then. Okay. I was going to take credit for that, and I'm like, eh, I can't take credit for that. I didn't. No, There's people who know that honesty. I didn't have it the whole time. Well, you're a good person. Aww. <laughs> well, the best part of the kid pick though is it it weeds out the pervs. Also true, or draws them in. Actually. Well, but you'll know instantly that they're a perv, and you won't waste any time with okay. them. Okay, there you okay. go. So well, there you go. either way, it either weeds them out, or you know, like cross that one off. Yeah, of I'm not proud with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> not doing that. Do you have any advice for people who are just getting their bikes? I, for me, the big thing is 
make sure that you've got your bike fit down. So Christine has a great video on her Facebook page for bike fit, which she did like at the like in 2014 or 2015, and it's great. But the biggest thing is, I think people settle in with a particular instructor too soon. I think the best thing that people can do is take a couple of rides from all the instructors and get a feeling for a different format from the different instructors early on before you pick a favorite. I think both of those are really good points. Absolutely. Yes. It's, I think it's like dating. Easy. It's like dating. It's like <laughs> Don't dating. lock in right away. You got to know what your options are, man. Right. Yeah, keep the field. options open. Yeah. 47 years old, I'm still keeping my options open. <laughs> you're, well, I think you're at this point, you're probably intimidating to most men. You've got so much great stuff going on. They're going to be like, what can I offer? <laughs> Could be an issue. <laughs> I, I have had I have had that comment made to me before. <laughs> you're you are you are it's you're in your own way because you're so dang successful. But at the same time, that's probably a good problem to have. I'm all right with it. I'll take it over the alternative. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What a great attitude. Yeah. It's been fun. I've had a I've had a I've had a good time so far. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep figuring it out. Cool. Well, I, we should probably just go on vacation with you. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, just follow let you. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm good with um, kids too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. You can watch them while we go out. <laughs> I have done that so, before. <laughs> it was not my so, favorite vacation. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I actually, well, I actually you- went on a cruise with friends of mine that lived in in Germany at the time and they're great friends and I love their kids. We got two rooms for the five of us and I was supposed to have the room and the boys were going to take turns staying in the room, the two-person room. Mm-hmm. And I gave them the two-person room in the end. So I ended up <laughs> the three-person room with the kids. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, there's a big difference between liking someone else's kids and traveling yeah. with someone else's yeah, children. It's true. And keeping That's... them in your and keeping them in your cabin on a cruise ship. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so before we go, where can people find you on social media if you would in fact like to be found? Uh, my Instagram handle is at MM Nyland. So my first initial, my middle initial and my last name and my Facebook I'm under Michelle Nyland. So that's it. Okay. It's easy. Oh, great. Yeah, that absolutely. is easy. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for being home long enough. <laughs> right? I was and happy I don't know to people be home. Have, yeah, I don't know if people have picked up on this while we've been talking. You've been to Germany and <laughs> Australia just in the course of this conversation. And to very, Australia. That's a very really impressive. long trip. I haven't been to Australia yet. Maybe that's where we should go on vacation. Oh, I go. love it. We've been wanting to figure out a way to do that. One. Australia and New Zealand. The and there's good wine areas there. That sounds like a match made in heaven right there. Do they have Kool-Aid wine? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's probably some Kool-Aid wine. Awesome. And find frou-frou you drinks. You had me at frou-frou. We're in. <laughs> we actually had me at frou because what else would follow frou except another frou? <laughs> the second frou. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks, you guys. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. It has. It's been a blast. It's so good to get to know you. I would definitely, I hope that we can end up in the same place for real at the same time. That would be awesome to hang out. We'll have to work on that so that Tom can teach me more about the monkeys and I can get him to try some wine. Oh, that sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a dangerous weekend. Imagine how much I'll talk about the monkeys when I'm drunk. I know. Well, you have a great rest of your day, and I will let you know when this will be up and posted. That's good. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. 
Here's today's recipe for success. So, uh, did Michelle have a recipe for us? Oh, did she? So, you know how we talked a lot about her trip to Alaska? I do. Well, she brought home 45 pounds of halibut. So, she had been working on some recipes for halibut. Okay. And uh, this is her current favorite. It is uh, tarragon roasted halibut with hazelnut brown butter. Okay. Sounds very good. So, you need toasted hazelnuts. You need fresh tarragon. You need... A whole bunch of skinless halibut fillet, four tablespoons of olive oil, kosher salt, unsalted butter, fresh lemon juice, and lemon halves. So it's actually not that many directions. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. You preheat your oven to 350 degrees. You spread your hazelnuts in a single layer on a rimmed baking sheet and toast them. <laughs> you said nuts and rim. Come on. <laughs> Stirring occasionally until golden. Eight to ten minutes. Coarsely chop and set aside. Next, you reduce the oven temperature to 300 degrees. Scatter tarragon sprigs on a large rimmed baking sheet. Place halibut on top. Drizzle with two tablespoons of oil <laughs> and season with salt and pepper. Roast until the halibut is just opaque in the center, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the thickness of the fish. Meanwhile, melt the butter in a small saucepan over a medium high heat. Cook, stirring often until the butter foams, then browns. Do not let it burn for about five minutes. Remove from heat. Let the brown butter cool slightly. Stir in the lemon juice, hazelnuts, and remaining two tablespoons of oil. Season with salt and pepper. Serve the fish with hazelnut brown butter sauce and lemon halves. Sounds delightful. If you like halibut. <laughs> well, I know, but but I think we've discussed that you don't like most of the things. Yes. Of any... Of things. Things. Yes. Yes. So, uh, if you would like to uh, find that recipe in a written form so you can recreate it yourself, you can do that at theclipout.com. I would also point out that if you were to sign up for the Clipout newsletter, it would be delivered to you, the recipe included. One more reason to sign up for the Clipout newsletter at theclipout.com. So uh, I guess that's it for this one. Uh, what, pray tell, do you have in store for people next week? We are going to talk to Jason Harris Herman. Jason has had an amazing weight loss story. Uh, Jason was born at 10 pounds. He was 200 pounds by age 13 Oof. and 300 pounds by age 27. I'm going to stop there, but let me just tell you, it is inspiring and it is fascinating. And if you have lost any amount of passion for your bike after listening to Jason, you will be back. That's a bold statement. I feel pretty good about it. And I, I don't want to give it too much away, but I will. He's back to his original weight, 10 pounds. It's quite an amazing story. <laughs> He's he's healthy. He's okay. <laughs> Everybody's going to worry about Jason. Like, holy cow. That's, you shouldn't be encouraging people to do that. Clip out. What is wrong with you people? So uh, I guess we are done then. Where can people find you until next week? People can find me at Facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Instagram, Twitter, the bike, and of course the tread at Clip Out Crystal. And they can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online at Facebook.com slash The Clip Out. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, go to Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, and, and subscribe. subscribe so you never miss another episode. And don't forget our lovely newsletter that you can sign up for at theclipout.com. So uh, that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, 
keep peddling and running bunny <laughs> <laughs>